sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely night dreaming of a song, the melody. You volunteered, didn't you? We're paying you, aren't we? Yeah, but I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. What are you trying to prove here, anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP ability. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is! It's pissing me off! Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Volts. With me, as always, my main man, partner in crime, and brother from another mother... Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos, how are you? I'm feeling good, folks. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, it feels like it's been a little bit since we've uh, put out a podcast. Uh, we've been in the studio working, and uh, we apologize that we haven't been getting podcasts out. We probably have about four different shows in the works that we keep going back and forth from. But uh, what we're going to do today is we're, it's going to be more or less like a little uh, subtle beast short, if you will. And... Uh, it's a it's really interesting topic that when me and Steve came across this information, we're like, let's put this together in a podcast. May not be the longest that we're used to uh, putting together, but man, is it good. Well, that's the thing. We went through, we nexted probably three shows uh, today just in uh, prep to get ready for this one. Uh, so rather than going through shows that aren't awesome, we're just like really pick cherry picking highlight reels right now. Or maybe not necessarily that they're not that awesome. They're just not that complete yet. And we've been working on them. And, you know, sometimes putting down a podcast, you can have any array of different orders. You can be like, all right, we got a strong middle and beginning, but we don't have a strong end or vice versa in those natures. So we always want to make sure that what we put out quality this one kicks butt the whole way through it really does so again it's just going to be like a subtle beast short today but uh again we wanted to get some things out because we have just been in the creative process and with christmas coming up you know our uh everybody's time is going to be a little short uh no pun intended uh but here we're going to kick it off this this is not the christmas episode this is far from a christmas episode (laughs) unless like uh in your family like you you're welcoming like krampus or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm going to waste no more time. Get into this. The disturbing story of the first use of electroconvulsive therapy. Dun, dun, dun. Now, if you were able to glance inside a certain room on the first floor of a clinic for a mental and nervous disease in Rome on the morning of April 11th, 1938, it may have looked like a small group of physicians was about to commit a murder. The doctors were congregated around a bed in a large, isolated laboratory, and on the bed lay a middle-aged man with surgically shaved head. The the nervousness of the physicians would have been very difficult to ignore. They were abnormally quiet, the type of uncomfortable silence that can only be created by extreme tension, despite the cool temperature of the room. Their foreheads were beaded with perspiration. One of them repeatedly walked out of the door to look up and down the hallway, just to make sure no one was around. They had good reason to be uneasy. They were preparing to send an amount of electricity that far exceeded what was considered safe at the time coursing through the patient's brain. Indeed, 
At least some in the room must have feared that they were about to be complicit in an execution. Now, on top of that, the patients hadn't quite consented to be their guinea pig. The police had brought in a man into the clinic after they had found him wandering the streets of Rome in delusional state. He was unable to provide simple information about where he was from or whether he had family. In fact, his speech was mostly gibberish. The police thought he was just another schizophrenic vagrant, and they probably believed they were being compassionate by bringing him somewhere where he could get treatment. But little did they know that a handful of physicians at the clinic had been waiting for a patient whose life was perhaps a bit more expendable than the rest. This man who had descended into seemingly irreversible state of mental discord had no family, friends, or home to return to. He was deemed to be the perfect type to test an experimental, potentially life-threatening treatment on. He could be the first human to undergo what was originally called electroshock therapy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that had to be uh, a little scary for the Absolutely patient. terrifying Especially for when him. they're shaving your head, be like, well, we have to so that we don't start a fire on top of your head. Why are my arms put down? Exactly. It's a really dangerous idea. And as reckless as it might all sound, the scientists who spearheaded the experiment weren't doing it on a whim. They had been conducting similar experiments with animals for years before building up the confidence to try, and, to try the procedure with humans. The idea started with a director of the experiment, Hugo Serletti. Serletti was a respected Italian neurologist who was passionate about finding treatments for psychiatric disorders. At the time, the 1930s, mental illness was often considered irreversible, and successful therapies were difficult to come by. Serletti had not shielded away from extreme treatments in the past. In 1937, he had begun using a stimulant drug called cardiziol, a.k.a. metrazol, to treat schizophrenia. When given in high doses, cardiazol would induce seizures. This sounds like an undesirable and potentially horrifying side effect, but to schizophrenia researchers, it is exactly what they wanted to happen. For the thinking at the time was that there was something about the convulsions of a seizure that would counteract the effects of the disorders like schizophrenia on the brain. The use of cardiazole to cause seizures quickly became popular due mostly to the fact that physicians didn't have many other options when it came to schizophrenia. But cardiazole had a few unpleasant side effects. For some patients, the drug called, caused apprehension bordering on terror from the time it was injected until the time the seizure began. This intense dread was not simply a fear of the oncoming seizure, but seemed instead to be a physiological side effect of the medication. The behavior of the patients after the seizure could be problematic as well. Some became unpredictable, irrational, and in rare cases, even suicidal. These factors, combined with the paucity of evidence to suggest that cardiazole actually was having an effect that was specific to schizophrenia, it actually seemed that cardiazole could jolt almost any patient out of a stuporous state, whether they suffered from schizophrenia, depression, mania, or something else, caused Soroletti to tenaciously seek other treatments. 
But as he continued to test alternative therapies, he couldn't stop thinking about electricity. Everyone knew that large doses of electricity could cause convulsions. Maybe then electricity could be used to induce the type of convulsions that were thought to have potential in treating schizophrenia. When Sorletti began testing the idea on dogs, however, he realized how dangerous the approach might be. About half of the animals subjected to the electrical shock died of cardiac arrest. What's more, Sarletti's group was using stimulation of around 125 volts to cause convulsions in dogs, and death in humans had been reported after as low as 40 volts. Every week for almost a year, the local dog catcher, catcher dropped off an unfortunate collection of dogs at Sarletti's lab, and the researchers there immediately began experimenting on them. They soon learned that the original placement of the electrodes, one in the mouth and one on the anus, was a large reason dogs were dying after electrical stimulation. This configuration caused the current to cross the heart, which, not surprisingly, sometimes caused cardiac arrest. When the electrodes were removed to the head, were moved to the head, pulses of electricity produced convulsions, but rarely death. Sirletti's group replicated their experiment with pigs and similarly found that the electrical current applied for short periods to the head convulsed but didn't kill. After many tests on canine and porcine subjects, Sirletti was confident that the electrical stimulation to the head was not a fatal procedure. It was time for the ultimate test. A human. Dude, this is crazy. I mean, they're putting 125 volts through a dog when... 40 volts would kill a person. They didn't have the electrode placements correct. And you got to think, if it's killing you by going through your heart, which I can understand, that, you know, there's an electrical rhythm in your heart, but they're now just sending it directly through your brain. It's going to cause your brain to turn into mush. Yeah, this uh, Sir Letty is a real dark figure in history. Um, I, I'm just going to press on because I don't want to say too much. Or do you? Are you jumping into this next one, or is it me? Go for it. What the birth of electroshock, which brings us back to the morning of April eleventh, nineteen thirty-eight. Sir Letty was surrounded by a small group of other physicians, a nurse, and an assistant. They had sequestered themselves in a laboratory that had a bed in it, originally installed so the director of the laboratory could rest between experiments. But now on the bed was a homeless, schizophrenic patient with a circular metal apparatus placed on his head. Wires ran from the apparatus to a device on a table nearby. Lucio Binney, a psychiatrist who had helped to develop the electrical device being used, was watching for Sirletti's signal to turn the machine on. Everyone else stared intently at the patient, eagerly but apprehensively waiting for something to happen. Sirletti gave a knob, and Binney flipped the switch to send 80 volts of current surging across the patient's temples. A flat, mechanical hum emanated from the device, and the muscles throughout the patient's body contracted spasmatically one time, lifting him up slightly from the bed. Then his body just suddenly fell back down, limp but alive. Upon questioning, the patient didn't seem to have any recollection of what had just happened. That was the first proof of a human could tolerate this type of controlled electrical stimulation to the head. But Sir Letty wasn't satisfied. He wanted to see convulsions, reminiscent of a seizure, not just one spasm. He ordered another shock be given, this time 
90 volts. Imagine that. Everybody's happy. They did the experiment. It worked. Hey, all right. Except for the main guy. He's like, nope. You look over. He looks like he just bit into a lemon. Like, what's your problem? He's like, 90. Turn it up. Oh, man. The patient's body convulsed once again after the 90 volts. But this spasm lasted a bit longer. The patient stopped breathing. His diaphragm remained contracted, and he began to turn pale. The asphyxia continued for a few seemingly intermittent seconds. But then the patient suddenly leapt out a deep breath. He, he lay silent for about a minute, then abruptly sat up in bed and began to sing a bawdy song that was popular at the time. The song, as unusual as it was in the moment, <clears throat> was a collective, there was a collective sigh of relief from the experimenters, who had naturally begun to wonder if the second shock had been too much. But again, the whole point was to see if they could prompt a seizure. Not just one convulsion. Sarletti wanted to attempt the procedure one more time. <laughs> he ordered 110 volts to the dome. I think everybody in the room was probably like the same thing. Just like, uh, is that one, Sir Letty, was that one good? No. I mean, were they all subordinate to this guy? I'd be like, 110. Sir Letty he just stopped uh, breathing. Yeah, just a, a note from my notes here. He did stop breathing for 40 seconds. Do it. Turn it up. <laughs> At this point, according to Sir Letty, some of those involved <laughs> became uneasy and urged him to stop. Someone suggested that the patient be given time to rest. Someone else thought it would be better to wait until the next day to continue testing. Then the patient unexpectedly chimed in with an anonymous warning. Be careful. The first one was a nuisance. The second one was deadly. Sir Letty took in all of these recommendations and simply responded with, Let's proceed. Shall we proceed? What a maniac. Vinny set the machine for the maximum voltage of 110 volts. When the switch was flipped... The dull, humming noise briefly filled the room again. The patient's muscles contracted in spasm, but this time they did not relax immediately afterwards, his body being convulsing with ryth rhythmic shaking of a seizure. And his body shook. As his body shook, his face began to turn pale due to the lack of breathing. Then it took on a bluish-purple hue, a clear sign of oxygen deprivation. Benny was timing the asphyxia, with his watch, it got up to 20 seconds, then 30, then 40. Surely many in the room feared that they had finally gone too, far, gone too far. But at 48 seconds, the patient exhaled violently and fell back to the, vet, the bed fast asleep. His vitals were normal. Sir Letty declared, electroshock safe to use on humans. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was his consensus after seeing him breathe after 48 seconds. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that he stopped because he got the desired effect of the convulsions not just being one convulsion but like uh rhythmic convulsions or did he stop because they couldn't turn the machine up any higher i think it was the latter <laughs> i uh, think so too this guy seemed like he was going for it all i mean he basically saw this guy's probably eyeballs sucked back to the back of his head and was just like <laughs> all right it worked it's safe for all humans it was like uh, that episode that we did on a uh, flat earth when we watched it was, it was an experiment provided by the Flat Earth Society with this expensive equipment that they got to uh, prove that the Earth was flat. And they're like, if the Earth is flat, this won't this won't uh, tilt to a 30-degree angle. Well, it did. And they're like, um, we're going to get a new machine. That machine must not be calibrated. Yeah. 
So, what's the aftermath like of something like this? Well, Serletti's group ended up giving their patient regular electroshock therapies over the next two months, and eventually they claimed he was completely cured. It turned out that he was not just a vagrant. He had a wife uh, who had been searching for him desperately, and eventually they were reunited, providing a nice conclusion to a success story that was uncomfortably close to being a tragedy. So that's more like a kidnapping. Yeah, that's a kidnapping and assault on many levels. The use of electroshock therapy, which would eventually become known as electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT, spread rapidly. Over time, like any other treatment, the technique was refined and best practices were established for dose, duration, and the electrical impulse and placement of the electrodes. More substantial changes were made as well. Initially, the convulsions evoked by ECT were violent enough sometimes to cause fractures, often in the spine, along with other injuries. So, Practitioners started administering muscle-relaxing drugs before ECT to reduce the severity of the convulsions. This created another issue. The muscle relaxants temporarily induced complete paralysis, which was often terrifying to the patients. Thus, physicians began using anesthesia before the procedure, which allowed patients to remain unaware of the paralysis or any other unpleasant aspect of the period surrounding the seizure. Like the electroshock that's about to go down? Don't worry. We don't want you to um, be so scared that you can't move. And we also don't want you to move so fast that you break your back. So we're just going to knock you out. We're going to put this diaper on you. Yeah. With these and other modifications, ECT today is considered a safe practice. Serious complications are rare and memory disturbances are the most problematic side effect. Typically, these memory problems fade with time, although there have been cases where they've persisted and had a substantial negative effect on the patient's life. I would think that any type of high voltage to the brain, I mean, forget side effects. You're going to have direct effects, and I can't imagine that the good outweigh the bad in the circumstance. I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, you, you've seen it. There are diseases, there are things that can occur with the human body where the subject is willing to try anything. This is true. But does it mean that it works, per se? I mean, I mean I'd like to see, we couldn't find what the stats were that what percentage of it worked versus the percentage that it died. Cause I mean, if somebody's on the panel, like Dr. Sir Letty being like, Oh, that was perfect. You know, <laughs> and like, well, we don't know it works. Well, what was it pre- out of 10 people? Well, six died, but four, they can, uh, now do normal things. Sort of. But every well, time they turn the microwave on, they, uh, <laughs> forget who they are for half an hour. And also you have to think of, um, how willing the subject is to continue with the experiments, uh, like the clip we played in the beginning. If you're if you're if you're putting these people in this position, and it's extremely painful or disorienting or really uncomfortable or anything that's negative, and you're like, okay, uh, did it work? And they're like, well, if I say yes, will you let me go? And they're like, yeah. And then you'd be like, yes, it worked. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and anything that you're subjecting yourself to volunteer basis, anything that is free, you're the subject. Right. 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 I mean, you you're the you're the whole you're, you're the product. You're the product. Yeah, exactly. All right. So where do we where do we go off here? Uh, the safety of the procedure, however, doesn't jibe with the perception many people still have about ECT as dangerous or even barbaric. This perception was created in large part by the negative portrayals of ECT in movies and television shows, and a classic example being the use of ECT as disciplinary measure in the psychiatric hospital in the 1975 movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Great movie. Jack. Oh, yeah. ECT has been used in an abusive and unsculpturous manner at times, so some of these portrayals may have a grain of truth to them. But ECT today is typically only administered with the full consent of the patient. And the procedure now is much less distressing for the patient and observer alike, like the movie and the fictional depiction suggested. And although it's still not understood how ECT might act on the brain to produce its therapeutic effects, it's difficult to dispute that it's effective for some conditions. It didn't end up being the remedy for schizophrenia that Sarletti had hoped. It does seem to be useful in certain cases of schizophrenia, but most studies generally find that antipsychotic drugs to be more effective. But it is surprisingly effective in most common application today, the treatment of depression. Oh, maybe that's because anything's better than getting... <laughs> again, I'm happy, I'm happy. How you feeling? A little down? Come here, I got something for you. Just take 110 volts to your temples. I feel much better, thank you. <laughs> Time to go. In fact, many argue that ECT is among the most potent treatments we have for depression. A number of studies have found it to be as effective as or more effective than antidepressant medication, causing some to argue that it is an extremely underutilized therapeutic approach. Regardless, a number of factors ranging from cost to its potential impact on memory cause ECT to remain more of a last resort for depression treatment. Well, yeah, you go in there and you forget who you are. Maybe that's why they're not depressed anymore. Like, oh, it's a whole new life. How are you feeling? I feel great. Just who the hell am I? Oh, you came in here with depression. I totally forgot. <laughs> what kind of life do I have? Then they tell you, and you're like, oh. I feel pretty depressed again. <laughs> I feel horrible again. Well, nevertheless, ECT has found its way back onto the list of respectable therapies in the eyes of most doctors and researchers. And given its somewhat anonymous beginnings as a dangerous experiment with a non-consenting patient, this is quite an achievement. It, you know, Fultz, I think this one falls into, and they may want to say that it's mainstream. It's it's kind of fringe. It's fringe. It's got to be. Look, they clear the pool when there's lightning outside. <laughs> <laughs> Electroshock therapy or electric shock to the body is frowned upon in most cases. Especially if it's not consensual. But if you have a chemical imbalance and you're depressed, lifeguard ain't blowing that whistle. <laughs> get in it's adult swim get that shock i don't think there's any circumstance to where i would condone that for anybody in my family we you know we always like to do stories about the unexplained and i think there is a lot more to this i think that if we look back maybe a hundred years from now to what we are doing it could be one of those situations where we think that we were bar barbarians. 
Well, yeah. I mean, look at the shows that we've done on MK Ultra. Yeah. And you know, just to just to be able to try and grasp if people had ESP or other types of uh, psychic abilities, the things they put those people through probably nightmarish. I mean, the amounts of LSD and shock therapy was involved there too, and all kinds of hypnotic craziness. I mean, long-lasting yeah. effects too. Yeah, and we, you know, with the, we had a listener out there that had wrote to us on numerous occasions saying that he uh, was part of that program. We Attempted to get him on this show several times with communication. He was really worried, and then he kind of fell off the communication trail. So if you're listening, reach back out. We'd like to recover that. For sure. But, uh, yeah, so that's our subtle B short on uh, the, elect- the electroconvulsive therapy. And like we, we like to bring things to light, and we like to do shows on the unexplained. And I think that the unexplained in this is basically the fact that They've given up as far as, <laughs> they're like, okay, we found electric shock therapy. It seems to have worked. We're not really working on anything else except uh, antipsychotic drugs. And here's your options. Right. What would you rather have? Yeah, I mean, so we're, we're, we're working with information that was discovered in the 30s, and we're still using it in 2020. I think there's got to be a better route. I don't hear of any people being like, yeah, well, we had to take my sister in. She was depressed. and They shocked it right out of her, 110 volts. She's doing great now. She can't walk. Her back <laughs> broke. They forgot about <laughs> they forgot about the muscle relaxers. She bit her tongue off. But, uh, man, she looks good. Oh, my gosh. So, But we're just kidding, of course. So, uh, you know, we, we don't mean any malice by the jokes that we say. But Also, write in if there's something that you found that's different and maybe you've had the electroshock therapy. It worked out really well for you. Let us know. Yeah. So um, if you if you want to write into us now, you're gonna have to just write to us at a uh, subtle beast podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, our social media on the Facebook platform was taken down. I guess we were speaking too much truth out there. Yep, they didn't like it. So I woke up one morning to check it, and it just said this account has been removed. So yeah, they're aware, and uh, they listen. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so if if we in in the event we don't get a show out until uh you know after the new year, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Enjoy the season, enjoy your families. Yep, exactly. And until we meet again, I'm Folds and I'm Steve. We'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.